Hello, and welcome to The Brownstone with Jara Monique. I'm your host, Jara, and this is the show where we explore how people experience and engage with different aspects of life from their varied perspectives, all while sharing some laughs, some gags, and some advice. On today's episode, we're talking about toxicity. And that was very hard to say, actually. <laughs> and <laughs> joining me today will be therapist and founder of La Fia Health, Shomisita. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. You're my first guest, like from the UK, actually. <laughs> oh, yay. Amazing. So I'm really going to milk the accent. Yes, please do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also feel like um, I also feel like I should apologize in advance because like sometimes I have a subconscious tendency to like mimic accents, even though like I do not mean <laughs> you. So if I start sounding like ridiculous, please go for it. <laughs> I encourage it. I, I really like um, impressions of British accents. So. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's like my thing. I've also um, this has nothing to do with the, the show, but like I've been watching Love Island like vicariously. <laughs> through like Twitter and you know reviews and so um my accent just changes even my internal voice will change its accent <laughs> oh my and I'll gosh. start using like the colloquial language and I'm like what are you doing and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what that's so interesting because I think because we we take in a lot of American media anyway so I think a lot of people here do that with America so it's nice to see the reverse it's, it's more recent but it's, it's interesting to see yeah, that, I love it, especially within like the the sort of black di- like diaspora. Um, yeah. I watch a few like uh, British YouTubers who are like of you know African descent, and I love when they switch into like an American accent. <laughs> but it's like it's a very distinct, usually like a, a black American like Southern accent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like the mega style. Like it is so. I I'm so like enamored of it because I'm like I don't <laughs> sound like that, but I'm like oh I love it. <laughs> but yeah we're we're all connected <laughs> but um yeah so i let's jump right into the episode um i like to start the show with a segment i call what's the meaning and this is where we take a word that's related to today's topic or one floating around in the zeitgeist and we discuss what it means in relation to ourselves and today's word is toxic you know cue britney spears dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Um, so show me, Sita, I'm going to obviously start with you because you're our guest, but like, I feel like you also have like this professional, like background and knowledge, um, in, in regards to this word as you are a therapist, but then I'm sure you have your own like personal experience, you know, with friends and, and your own lived experience with the word. So what does toxic mean to you? Um, so toxic is a label for what we would mean to describe something that's quite maladaptive um so someone behaves in a mal- in a maladaptive way we'll normally call them toxic or they're acting in a way that manipulates and harms other people we'd call them toxic but i like to instead of i i don't like to use it as a label i like to see us all on some level of spectrum because i don't think that anyone is completely toxic or anyone's the robust completely healthy we all have you know yeah we're all on this healing journey um some of us further than others some of us more toxic than others so I think that we all have some level of toxicity some of us are more aware um, and do the work and some of us just swim in it um but you know <laughs> it's it's on a spectrum 
and it, it's just an uh i guess like a colloquial colloquial term for just a bunch of maladaptive behaviors and ways of being yeah that's amazing and i actually wrote that down when you said um <laughs> it's it's usually like we we use it as a label nowadays which i'm like wow you're you're absolutely right which is which in turn is also feels like a judgment right like we yeah we judge people as being toxic or certain behaviors as being toxic. But yeah. um, when you say maladaptive, what does that mean? Like exactly? It, dysfunctional. Um, it, it's not working. It's counterproductive to the goal. Um, so, you know, if your if your goal is to be in a conducive, in a conducive environment where everyone is receiving mutual benefits, someone toxic means that they are disrupting that. They, there's disrespect. Um, there's no longer mutual benefits. Maybe there's one person benefiting and another person is, is disadvantaged. So they've messed up the conduciveness of what that environment is supposed to be. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for describing that. I was like, I think <laughs> I know what maladaptive is, but I want to make sure. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. But that's so interesting. And I love what you said that like we all sort of exist on this spectrum of either, you know, exhibiting certain, I guess, maladaptive behaviors, because as you said, none of us are perfect and we're all, you know, somewhere on this journey. And um, I love that you said uh, spectrum because I've, I've taken to using that in regards to like almost everything in my life nowadays. Like I'm like no more binary good and bad, like, like, please, I'm trying to rid myself of, of existing within any sort of binary or labeling things in that way. And I'm just like, it's all a spectrum. Like sometimes you're a little further on one side than the other, but like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I feel, it feels helpful. It feels, yeah. you know, yeah. In a way that I can't fully describe it. It feels like a little more graceful, you know, definitely. Cause um, in general, cause as humans we're kind of conditioned to put things in boxes. So we have this very black and white view but as we grow and we learn, you know, there's so many great areas. Um, but when we do that with everything, so, you know, I'm either a successful person or I'm a failure. It means that we're now going to, and, you know, it's hard to be the successful person. So it means that you're very much going to always be a failure. And when you are succeeding, you're going to very quickly discredit the successes and still see yourself as a failure because a lot of things have no limits. So when we give ourselves the grace and we're like, you know, sometimes I get things wrong, but, you know, I'm doing quite well. And, and we have the space to, to see two things exist at, exist at the same time. Then we can look at, you know, the gray areas. And again, like you said, be a bit more graceful, see ourselves on a spectrum that can improve and can um, go backwards. And, you know, on a sliding scale, as opposed to in stuck in this fixed box and discrediting everything else that disproves that box that we've put ourselves in. So, yes, yeah, definitely really helpful to to be a lot more flexible. Yeah. And it, it also like, um, sorry, you said so many amazing things and I was like, Oh yeah, like that was, that was, <laughs> that was really good. Um, yeah, I, I find it like, especially that example you gave of like either your success or your failure. And even my, myself, like personally, I found myself, you know, sort of, um, identifying with the latter, if I didn't hit certain goals or, or I had quote unquote, nothing to show for, you know, whatever actions I was taking, then I was like, well, you failed. And, yeah. and it's, it's like, nothing is ever so simple and especially human beings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, so, so like human beings are like the messiest things. Like we can't ever be one thing. Um, so even like things like failure, which is a very natural part of life, 
somewhere down the line, we've become really conditioned to stigmatize it. And we see it as the end of the world. And once you've failed, you are failure. You, you are embodiment of failure and that's it. But, you know, it was supposed to fail. You know, it's, it's part of a process. We have to make mistakes. and But we it's just conditioned out of us to even see that. So, it's, you know, it's it's a really touchy subject. But, yeah, when we put ourselves into one box or the other, it's, it's really hard to see us leap from one to the other. But when we're on a sliding scale, we can see how we can, you know, travel and we're on a journey. And we'll go back and forth a few times and then take a, 10 steps forward and maybe a few steps back. But we see every step back as that's the end, you know, that's that's it. And we don't, it, it's a lot harder to climb out of that box than when we just see that I just need to take another step forward. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, exactly. And it's so crazy that we do that, that we are so incredibly hard on ourselves, like to, to live up to some standard that many of us did not create, but like still like exists for us. And we're trying to reach some ideal that it's like, you, you know, I think we forget, we get to create that. We each get to create what that looks like for us. And it doesn't have to look like, you know, our friends or our families or whoever, but I understand like in the world that we live in, we we are conditioned to kind of, especially, you know, this capitalist society to achieve certain things. And I think like for myself, I realized like when I start overly identifying with any one thing, you know, when I start calling myself a certain thing, I'm like, oh, we've gone too far, girl. We've gone too far. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, don't do that. Don't, don't identify yourself with anything. Cause like you said, like we're constantly moving back and forth on this sliding scale and, and we have to give ourselves flexibility to be however we are on any given day, like day to day. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, I guess kind of segueing into that, um, what we were saying about toxicity or what toxic means, like, do you think we've now like overutilized it in like sort of colloquial spaces, like social media. Yeah, definitely. I think that's just what social media does in, in general, you know, especially now we're in a good space. Like there's a, a, a psychological uprising where everyone's becoming a lot more aware of, you know, mental health and, and therapy and using therapeutic language. Um, but then there's the stage where we go into sensationalizing as well. Um, and then because we're familiar with this term, when we see a trait in someone that we don't like, we can, we call them toxic and, um, you know, what, what we start labeling, um, and we do that to ourselves, we do it to other people. Um, we don't give the grace that we should. Um, and it's very messy. It becomes something where, because the word is so stigmatized, if you are to point out, if you are to point it out in someone, you're going to be met with defense because, who wants to be labeled this ugly word and even the word itself it is quite colloquial and you know the original meaning is like you know waste and and stuff like that so I guess it's not the nicest thing to be called um but yeah it's I do think it's overused um I do think even just a lot of therapeutic language like when people say you know you need to go to therapy it's normally an insult we, we probably all do on some level um but yeah people overuse a lot of therapeutic language um to fit their mood and who they like, who they dislike and stuff like that. Yeah, that's so true. I'm laughing because I'm like <laughs> guilty. <laughs> Even me as well. Uh, I think like personally, I, I think we all go through that process, especially when you start um, 
undergoing therapy yourself. Like, you know, I'm, I do like online teletherapy. And I think when you start to feel the difference within yourself, then you, you start advocating, but you do it almost like manically in a way that like lacks a lot of (laughs) nuance and, and, you know, compassion to be like, okay, this is not for everybody. Don't stop projecting. (laughs) Um, Even though I do think, you know, the the other side of that is like, we destigmatize it, right? Like we make it feel normal. We make it feel um, acceptable. And, and hopefully one day we make it accessible. I mean, I know it's a little different in the UK, but here it's, it's um, in the States, it's pretty difficult to get um, mental health services. So I think like it's, it's, it's like, it's hard, right. To to be like, okay, we want to advocate for something and hopefully make it super accessible. But then at the same time, like, are we pushing things on people that's not our place. You know, I, um, I think recently like Beyonce had like an interview and she said something along the lines of like, everyone thinks they're like an IG therapist or something. And I was like, damn, that's so true. Like, <laughs> like we all, you know, reposting stuff and, and we all think, you know, we, Ooh, we've said something really deep, like some quote, but I'm like, you're like an actual therapist. So like, I'm like, let's look to the actual people who have like actual degrees and knowledge to help guide us instead of like all of us thinking because we've had a few sessions or, you know, we're doing our, our yoga and our meditation and everything that all of a sudden, you know, we've got it. I've, I've read like, you know, codependent no more. And now I'm like, Oh, I, I got this. Trust me. guys. (laughs) I know everything you need to know about codependency. But do you know what? I I do encourage that to some level, you know, um, because I I know, obviously, you know, there are some people that have more expertise in certain fields, but I think the field of therapy is a bit romanticized um, because you don't have to be a therapist to have therapeutic knowledge. And because a therapist has said something to you, it could have hit you in a way that, you know, you've digested it and the way that you reproduce it to other people connects even better to them. So you don't necessarily need a degree for that um you might have certain certain reflections that you've come across um and you put that out there and you find that you know it really really resonates well and sparks change in others and you've done something therapeutic um so the beauty of therapy is that it isn't isn't belonging to therapists um you know we all have an inner world we we all connect with people in different ways which is a large part of the job connecting with somebody um helping saying things that resonate with them pointing out what's going on and we can do that on certain to certain degrees um you know without the education behind it um yeah so even like keep in mind that some therapists are are not good as well like they're they're human beings that have done a degree (laughs) like you know so yeah yeah give yourself a bit of credit (laughs) yeah that's actually a good point and also like that was like validating to me. I was like, I was like, okay, good. You, like she's just justified the whole reason I have this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love reflecting. <laughs> I'm like, we should all be doing lots of reflecting. It's it is so fun. Like, I mean, it's, it's scary. Obviously things aren't always pleasant, but I find it very fun. I mean, even in regards to like, like you were saying um, earlier, like no one you know, nowadays wants to be labeled as toxic. And, mm-hmm. and I agree, like, I, I feel like um, it sort of lend, you know, has led to this more like inauthentic ways in which we interact, especially in social medias, because we're all yeah. very hypervigilant now of, of doing anything that will label yeah. us as, as sort of toxic because, you know, cancel culture or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But I feel like that 
can be harmful because then it doesn't allow us to actually like have nuanced conversations and get people help or, or like educate people. And I think it, it like, sometimes even we end up conflating things like what is actually toxic behavior? Like, do any yeah. of us know, or like, <laughs> or are we just so quick to be like, Oh no, 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 that's toxic. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, where's the the line, which um kind of leads to like my next question is like, what do you think are some toxic behaviors that um, people can exhibit um, maybe particularly in regards to relationships and it doesn't have to be romantic relationships, but. I think one of the most common ones that I've come across is sensitivity to criticism. Um, so that's like a real big killer for relationships because no one's above criticism. Me, me myself, you know, I have problems with criticism. I, I don't like it, um, but it's something that you kind of need to swallow, accept, let it resonate and then respond. But when you're in the space where you're not even aware of how sensitive you are, you're just naturally going to defend yourself because, you know, you are you, you've grown up in your skin for how many, however many years. And now someone, some person that you've met a few months ago is telling you that you're this. So naturally you're going to be like, no, I'm not. This is what's happened. And this is what I meant. And, you know, if you have a problem with it, that's your problem. Don't come to me that knows myself and say that I'm this and that, and it can easily cause an argument. Um, and that's a big barrier for self-reflection and for improvement and for, you know, growing in love with somebody. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty toxic trait to have because it means that there's no growth and there's no accommodation of the other person's opinions. Um, and then it also means that if it does, if you are somebody that when you are criticised, it causes an argument, you're kind of conditioning the person to fear criticising you as well. So next time around they, they have a problem, they're going to think twice about presenting it because they're going to remember what happened or what's been happening. Um, and it's just not going to be very conducive um, to bring up. Yeah. Wow. Dang. I can't believe that was the first one that you said, because I was like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, I see a little bit of myself in that, but you know, like we said, we're on this spectrum and we're all on this, this healing journey. So I'm going to give myself a little bit of grace right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I would say, um, I am sensitive to criticism in the way that like, I don't like to disappoint people and I don't like to feel like I've gotten it wrong. And so I've done the thing where like, I've tried to be whatever anyone has needed me to be so that they would not have reason to be like, oh, she's like, yeah, this. you know, like that. And, but in, in and of itself, it, it is a bit toxic um, and sort of, yeah, like hard to deal with. Cause it's almost in this like martyr way of like, I'll do whatever I can to be whatever you need so that you won't ever have reason to think that I'm not a good person or a kind person or, or whatever, yeah. you know, I've imagined myself to be. And then on the flip side of that, I realized like, I don't know how to give loving criticism to people. I don't, I abhor confrontation. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still working on that, but like, I'm, I'm just like, as you said, it is necessary, right. To have sort of authentic and honest relationships and to have growth. Yeah. But uh, I feel like so many of us have kind of grown up in this space of like, it's bad. Like, it's bad to tell you, you know. It is. It's, I don't know if it's um, just in general or in Black homes or whatever, but our first, our first interactions with the criticism is very, very good. 
if we like I'm speaking to myself and I'm sure other people might relate mom issues I'm gonna tag in on that (laughs) (laughs) if you say to your parent um mom dad I didn't like how you did this their first um response is to be offended um not really to take into what you say but to point out how you've been disrespectful um so we either grow up on the on that side becoming our parents and thinking someone criticized me they're disrespecting me or we we revert back into ourselves and realize I can't criticize this person because they're going to feel offended and, we, and I don't want to offend them um or we can be a bit of both um so you know we in general we we might not have a very healthy relationship with criticism um and it's hard it's hard to take it it's hard to give it it's not an easy thing you know everyone is so different any two people trying to be together in a space um it, it's it's going to be hard like relationships are not an easy thing they're they're an anomaly to have very modern relationships anyway you know to have um extremely conducive space between two people where they're very very close very intimate sharing their thoughts all the time um it's not you know there's going to be clashes um and and you know how people deal with those clashes some people deal with it very very well um but there still are those clashes but they just deal with them well some people don't deal with them well um but it's going to be there because you're so different um and, you know, you've had your own upbringing, they've had their own upbringing, you've had your own experiences, they've had their own experiences. And now you're coming together in this weird, convoluted world and trying to make sense of it. And it's messy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so messy. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm always so intrigued by watching relationships like I love observing relationships and that's why I kind of brought up Love Island earlier like (laughs) it's something so addicting about watching relationships form and and being on the outside of it and getting the ability to kind of like critique it and um and just being like oh no no no, I wouldn't do that or I wouldn't oh this person seems like that but like we forget that like we're we're yeah you know we're doing that you know in our own lived experiences not just through the lens of like a dating program. So it is, yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. And I'm, and I, and I'm trying to think of like, I'm feeling like, oh, if, if, you know, the people in your life don't offer you this sort of loving correction, as I've like started calling it, cause I've, I've tried to start checking myself <laughs> um, when I think I'm, okay. I'm like not necessarily, you know, following the right path or, or doing something that's limiting myself or others in some way. Um, I think we tend to feel like, Oh, you know, like I'm good. Everything's good. Like this, you know, no one's ever had anything bad to say about me and I, and I don't have anything bad to say about anybody else. So everything must be great. Like I, I'm perfect. Like I, there's nothing toxic about me. <laughs> like It just feels like that's so really the case. Like we all have a little bit of something. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You know, we've no one's had the perfect upbringing. No one's lived in the perfect world and and been free of harmful experiences. So there is always going to be some level of toxicity. Some people's, I guess, people that are more prone to feeling like they don't have it are the ones that are more passive in how it's displayed. So passive people are less harmful. So that's why it's hard to see. Um, but that the they have impact themselves. Like you know, maybe they're not advocating for themselves in the way that they should be. They're not communicating their needs. They're not having their needs met. And because of that, they're growing resentment for other people, um, even though it stems from their own lack of communication. Um, so the other person isn't directly on the receiving end of harm, but they are harming themselves and perhaps even growing to resent other people, which is not not yet harmful but it's potential harm to another person yeah wow 
That's crazy. You just described me. <laughs> uh, pre pre therapy, everyone. Pre therapy. <laughs> that is no longer me. <laughs> but um, so how how do you think we can become aware of our own habits or maybe even the habits of others that may be toxic? Like, do you think there's a line? Like, how do we know if some like some like it's just I don't know like this annoying one off that happens or or if we need to be paying attention. I think the first thing that we need to do is to accept that we will never know it all. Um, even you know I'm still learning. The top doctors of clinical psychology are still learning. You know, we're, we're all learning. We're all learning about ourselves. We're, we're all learning about how other people operate. So just accepting that you know at any given time something new might come up and I'm just gonna have to deal with it as it comes. Because one thing we get into the habit of is want, wanting to feel like we have it all in control. And just rel- relinquishing that power to begin with is, is really helpful. Um, and then, you know, just if you do notice something in yourself, just question yourself. Like, you know, when I did that, was that was that the best thing for me to do for myself, for the other person? Was it a collaborative thing for me to do? Was I, um, have I taken in what they've had to say? Was I quick to respond? So I, I mentioned earlier, like I'm quite sensitive to criticism. I'm someone that is um, prone to being defensive. So what I do now, I still have the defensive thoughts and I still want to check someone when I feel like, when I feel backed into a corner, but I just stay silent for a while and I take it in and I consider the person and I consider, you know, this person is not likely to just say want to say something to harm me. So maybe they've, got this perspective of me that I can never see because I can't see myself from their, their eyes. And, um, you know, maybe this this is a trait that I should look into. Um, I might want to reflect with someone else. I might call someone and be like, have you ever noticed this in me before? And I might want to just, and, you know, it's up to me to decide um, how, you know, how pressing is this an issue to me? You know, uh, have I decided that this is truly something that happens in me and, and it can affect people in this way? Have I decided that that person's having a bad day and they were more prone to see me in this way anyway, because they're just that way inclined. You know, I, I need to come up with that conclusion and know what, what I'm going to do moving forward. You know, am I going to dismiss it? Am I happy with this trait in myself? Or am I going to be a lot more aware um, and, you know, take, take a few more pauses and notice it when it comes up. So just deciding, you know, you're, there's no, there's no, um, right way to do it um but just be patient with yourself um take a bit of time because it does take time you know some people are very very sensitive they're more prone to seeing um anything in you as a as a negative so if they do bring up something you might have to take that a bit more just with a pinch of salt um so you need to decide what is that line for you um especially if it's something that's quite like let's say I'm, i'm someone that's quite extroverted and in a space of people that can be loud to some people that can rub them the wrong way to some people they they enjoy it and you know if it does rub someone the wrong way it's up to me to decide you know is this a trait that I need to work on or is it just you know this person you know they're just in that space where it's just not for them and I I can accept that and move on um but yeah it's just constantly being aware of who you are what traits you want to keep like like pruning a tree or a plant, you know, you're, you're cutting off some of the leaves, you're keeping some of them and, and, um, you know, making some of them really nice and just deciding how do I want my garden to look, um, and claiming that power. 
Ooh, I love that. As we each are our own personal garden. That's a beautiful analogy. (laughs) That was a beautiful analogy. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're, you're saying really like we have to practice mindfulness each of us, but I think that was like incredibly mature. I think of like, or it takes a level, a high level of maturity to be able to reflect as opposed to react you know, yeah. right away, which I feel like a lot of us may get caught in the reacting, like we feel this impetus to have to, like you said before, defend ourselves or say something or prove how someone else is, is wrong, as opposed to taking a step back and reflecting on, on what information we're receiving. And then later finding a sort of way to react or respond to it, um, which is obviously easier said than done. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice. I'm going to say like <laughs> that is, I, I think we all wish we were, you know, at that level to be able to, to kind of do that and step back and not let things get to us. Um, so, so quickly, but a lot of us also have a lot of triggers that we may not be aware are there and that, or that someone is kind of, um, stepping on, but yeah, yeah that's, that's really great to also see and, and kind of think, is this something I want to, as you said, prune or work on or, and also getting, getting feedback. Like, that's interesting. Like, do you think like, like friend feedback or like, is that like a normal thing? I don't, I don't know that I've ever like called my friends and been like, what do you think about like the way I act or, or something of that nature? Um, I think it's normal, but it's something that that in itself needs to be watched. Um, like how much are you relying on other people to outsource your personal growth and how much are you trusting yourself? Um, and again, because I'm an extrovert, I'm used, to, I'm used to sharing ideas. So when I'm sitting on something for a while, um, I do decide, you know, I want to discuss this with somebody. So if I'm not tweeting it, I'm calling a friend or I'm, you know, the, the idea just feels like it needs to come out at some point. Um, so for me, it's quite helpful to, to bounce that idea off of someone that I trust. Um, obviously I'm aware that because they're my friends, they don't want to hurt me. They're, they're, they, there's a bit of a bias, but, um, you know, if they do say something, then it'll be, it'll be worth considering. Um, if they don't, I might still consider it, but maybe not see it as, as much of a issue. Um, especially when you look at how people see from the outside, you know, you can never have that view of yourself. Um, so it can help, but it shouldn't be something that you depend on. So there needs to be a level of moderation between um, how much you're sharing with other people and how frequently you're doing it and your motivations behind doing it, that in itself can be a toxic trait. So you might feel like you're, you're solving a toxic trait with another toxic trait. Um, But yeah, so it doesn't, it doesn't need to be monitored, but it can help to um, bounce ideas off of other people, depending on you, because some people, they don't rock with that and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Oh, that's deep that, oh my God, that you can overcompensate one toxic trait by invoking another one and not even realizing yeah. it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's, tough. it's a tough, it's tough. <laughs> so would you say like, um, would you consider that oversharing? Would that be the sort of toxic trait, like oversharing or, or how, do, how did you describe it as looking for sort of outside opinion almost like yeah almost like um the excessive need for validation or or constant reassurance seeking like oh I'm not um you know I'm not too loud am I I'm not too loud and asking several people getting the same um the same response over and over again and 
um, not really believing it, no matter who says it, because now it's formed this innate belief. So you don't trust yourself until someone else confirms it for you. So it's just the, the constant need for reassurance and not being able to sit in your own feelings and make decisions for yourself. So you kind of have to outsource that process um, constantly. Um, so when it when it becomes too much, um, then yeah, that would be when I when I would say you know this is quite maladaptive. But when it's a moderate amount, um, then yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a that's a good one. That I I don't know that I would have thought it was toxic if you know like someone had said that to me or or if before we'd had this discussion, I would have been like, oh, like. Yeah, that's that seems normal to me. <laughs> and that's a common one actually that I come across and it happens a lot with very extroverted people when they've had a situation where they haven't had access to other people and they've completely had a meltdown because they're not used to sitting on their own feelings. They're used to having someone else to outsourcing oh, it. Yeah. yeah. So when, you know, a point in time comes where their best friend is unavailable and their partner is out somewhere and listen that they're they're alone having a massive meltdown they can't regulate their own emotions independently and you know they they they, they really really struggle um so yeah for, for some people they, they could go their whole life without realizing that's a this is a bad trait until they don't have that crutch to lean on anymore wow just look at us we we, we just out here <laughs> being all toxic and maladaptive and not even knowing it like <laughs> It is crazy. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Uh, I know we we're talking about grace, but I'm like, man, life just got a little bit more scarier. Like, <laughs> Which kind of um, leads me to this next question. Cause I feel like, you know, as you said, like we're seeing a lot more people sort of talk about or speak in like sort of therapeutic language. And um, I think along mm-hmm. with someone being toxic or, or being labeled as toxic, we're, we're also seeing a lot of language around the red flags. Like notice the red flags. If you see a red flag, then you need to leave. That's your cue that you need to like end things or dead it or, yeah. or, you know, everyone needs to be sort of hyper vigilant of the red flags, but it it's like, where is again, like where is the line and, and what, what is like a red flag that we need to be, um, like just mindful of, like you said, because some people sometimes have maladaptive behaviors that they're even they are unaware of, or like where is the line between a red flag that we need? Then we do need to actually action things and say, okay, I have to remove myself from this situation because it it could be harmful. I feel like it's it's hard to distinguish that because everyone now is like the red flag police. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> Um, I think, do you know what? Yeah, I think, like you said, everyone is in a high, in a state of hypervigilance. I think um, a lot of people have a lot of relationship anxiety because we see a bunch of crap all over social media, and we're like, "This looks like hell." Yeah. So we're like, how can I? How can I not be that person? You know, what is the first sign? How do I get out as soon as I can without investing? You know, my love and vulnerability, and and then finding out the person is a serial murderer um so we just look for the first whiff of danger to run um and with red flags I I do see some really good ones like you know there are some things that you should not tolerate you shouldn't move forward once you witness it um and I do see some where they're a bit more orange like you know I think that 
a, a conversation might be worth having see how the, the, the person responds to it are they are they willing to work on this and if they are you know why not give it a go and if they're not then obviously you know that's your cue to to take your leave um I do think that some of them are quite hasty again I think it's something that's become a bit sensationalized like you might see someone say if they're wearing this particular shoe that's a red flag and <laughs> um but I know that those are in jest but you get what I mean sometimes it can become a bit yeah. <laughs> um, and people are just doing the most um, but I do see some really good fundamental ones um, that are worth taking on board and I, I guess some things as well it's about your levels of tolerance you know some people can tolerate a bit more or a bit less and um, you know they need to figure out what is a red flag for me what is my limit because um, again some people have the maladaptive trait of being really passive um, when they're just uncomfortable and not getting out or not advocating for their needs so for people like that they might need to realize you know what are red flags for me it might be helpful to just write those down and so they know when to get out or when to bring something up so there's a level of objectivity like obviously if someone slaps you just that's an immediate red flag but there's a level of you know what's for what is a red flag for me that I personally don't like and can't can't move forward with that might be okay for someone else but just isn't for me because you know we are again we have we all have different triggers you know I might have had an upbringing where um I don't know broccoli was forced up my nose so someone that is not willing to give up broccoli is a red flag for me because I'm still going through my my trigger with broccoli whereas for someone else that's that's not even on their radar um so we have we have different triggers and we have different traits that people display that might trigger us or um that we just don't need right now or that we react quite we don't work with too well so discovering ourselves will help us to be be able to understand what can we work with what can't we work with yeah yeah that's that's really great I <laughs> I love what you said about oh this person's wearing this <laughs> this shoe that's a red flag because those are like all over Twitter and like yeah <laughs> and you like you just hope that the majority of people know that this is like we're being trolled yeah but then you also worry that like a lot of people like believe this and like, you know, it's a little like worrisome. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and it's a little overwhelming. Like, um, I, one that I love, um, seeing is always like, Oh, if, if they're not applying pressure, then, then you need to like end it. And I'm just like, what does that mean? Like how much pressure? Like, what is the pressure? Like, what should the pressure feel like? What should it look like? I'm like, how much time are we giving people for the pressure? Like, I'm just like, I don't understand. Like things normally take time. Like, shouldn't things take time? (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what? I, I rolled my eyes so much when you said that, because that is, um, yeah that's something that I'm just so over when it comes to Twitter like relationship talk and relationship standards and everyone is like Judge Judy when it comes to what you should take what you shouldn't take and they paint it so objectively but again you know we're all very different um just like you know all these topics who pays on the first date and um how much should be spent on it and where it should be and um you know like you said applying pressure what does that mean you know so I I don't take well to people applying pressure um I don't like people being too forward like I, I like to meet halfway yeah um, I don't like it when I'm just stationary and they're just zooming towards me that's very <laughs> terrifying to me but some people like that and again you know 
it's understanding yourself and what you need. Um, but we have people that that maybe do understand themselves, but paint it as I understand humanity now. This is the objective truth, and this is what you should want in a relationship. And you know, you get people that um, are a bit more impressionable, maybe don't understand themselves, forcing themselves into situations that aren't comfortable for them, but they think this should be how it is. This should be what I want. Um, this is what people my age like, and this is what I. I need to be in um and they they're very just uncomfortable essentially um so yeah it's just it, Instagram and Twitter standards they grind my gears a lot of the time there's some gems on there that I, I appreciate and you know I you know, it can be a space of learning but you do really need to have your wits about you with what you're taking in as fact because there's a few things snuck <laughs> in there that you shouldn't really take in. No, I agree. Like there are a few times where I will screenshot something. I'm like, oh, that that's a beautiful, you know, reminder or, you know, something that I want to keep in mind. But for the most part, yeah, it, it is like you said, like a lot of eye rolling of just being like, like, what? Like, you know, how old are these people? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I love how you how you phrase it as as sometimes folks will will state something as if it is an objective truth rather than a subjective one because it's like that's yeah. your preference that's what you like that's what you want and that doesn't mean it's it's the standard that all of us need to sort of now uphold but it is interesting because you do kind of have to be um vigilant and knowing like what's what's me what's coming from me what's coming yeah. from my own lived experiences and wants and what is coming from outside of me and you know do i need that do i want that like you know um I find it interesting, like the first example you gave of a, of a toxic trait of being sensitive to criticism. And when I think about a flag for me, I think I do have a hard time um, taking in criticism because I received a lot of harsh criticism growing up that lacked compassion and, and tenderness. So for me, anyone coming at me in a way that I feel is lacking and, you know, in compassion, it's just like an attack on me. I'm, I'm not going to take it well. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to like, so I'm like, that's a flag for me. And, but at the same time, I don't want to close myself off to folks wanting to help me, you know, be my best self, but it's the way in which I'm being approached is really going to make a difference with me, which I'm like, yeah. is that, I don't want to label it good or bad. I think it, it's just a me thing. Like, I'm like, yeah, you, you're going to have to be a little delicate with me. <laughs> yeah. And that that's you. And you yeah. know that, you know, I, I need a level of, of softness. Um, when someone's speaking to me or criticizing me and that's a perfectly fine standard to have some people are less caring of that and that's not you know they just want someone that tells it as it is um, and again that's that stems from you understanding yourself and them understanding that self and you know there's nothing wrong with either thing you're allowed to want what you want but you know that's why it's important to not take in what other people say and as as this is the truth this is what you should want this is this should be a red flag um because what's a red flag for you might not be a red flag for someone else that that is okay with someone not having to be soft in their presentation yeah yeah and i and i think it it's it's again it's like just giving ourselves grace but giving other people grace as well and like yeah. also i feel like you said like like I'm trying to think even of myself, like I think previously in the past, if someone had come at me in a way like that I felt was harsh or was, um, you know, intentionally mean, I probably would have, you know, 
ghosted. I would have dead it. I would have just been like, I'm never going to speak to you again. And I'm not even going to tell you why. And like, <laughs> now I'm like, okay, sometimes there's room for conversation, right? Like how would someone know if you've never told them, you know, um, mm-hmm. almost like you said, like someone who doesn't advocate for themselves and, and has a problem communicating these things. Like, that's kind of like what I've learned on my journey is like, you know, you can't expect people to know how to treat you. You have to verbalize these things. And I think, you know, I'm like, well, I would never do that. Okay. Like they're not you. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That's it's, I think what you mentioned is a big thing that a lot of people go through. We, when we understand ourselves, we, that's our first understanding of humanity. So we think that what we do, other people would do. But we don't realise, you know, people grow up wild. Like People are very different. You know, everyone has their own thing that they would do or wouldn't do. And that's just, yeah, some people just need to be taught, you know, who are you? How, how can I approach you specifically? And they'll be happy to oblige once they know. But if they don't know, they're just going to be in their default. So if their default is, you know just being like hey change this now you know that's what they don't mean any harm that's just what they know how to do if you say actually you know can you be a bit nicer can you be a bit kinder they'll be happy to listen because they're interested in you and that's what you want um so yeah it's 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 a key element of growth um that a lot of people myself included have struggled with um to understand that what we do isn't what other people would do yeah definitely it's 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 so funny like <laughs> uh that we like we all end up like living somewhat the same experiences but still being shocked constantly by yeah. <laughs> ourselves and other people it's like why why are we <laughs> why is that a thing but um uh to continue going on with our our questions i wanted to ask like what do you think are some ways that um people especially like I phrased it when I sent you these questions, especially people of color can protect themselves like in toxic spaces. Cause we've been speaking a lot about people exhibiting toxic behaviors or um, as you so beautifully put it, like maladaptive behaviors, but we haven't touched on yet, like toxic spaces. Um, and a lot of times for, I mean, you know, people of color, especially black people, those spaces can be our work environment, our school unfortunately for a lot of people, our homes. And we, I feel like that maybe isn't spoken about often enough is like how to handle environments that feel sort of harmful. Um, It's not easy. And it is something that unfortunately we do need to be able to exercise an added layer of resilience because there's an added layer of prejudice. Um, But we need to be very centered in ourselves and very inserted into our own lives. Reason and it's, it's natural to be very aware of what's going on, what people think, and you know how we present. It's, it's very natural, but when we have more to worry about because of prejudices that might exist, it's easy to become very preoccupied with these things, of what people think about us, and how we present, and always editing ourselves. But that's really unhealthy because the odds are against us. Um, so what we need to do is just insert ourselves into ourselves and outside of what's going on out there. Just you know, be recentered and realize you know. I need to be in this space, you know, I need an education. So objectively, that's why I'm here. Um, This is who I am. And, you know, I cannot control what they think. Um, As long as they don't do me any harm, I just have to continue along this path. Um, Not everyone is on my side, but 
this person is on my site. So I'm going to insert myself into this person's life. Um, and whatever's happening, happening around me, you know, it's, you know, it, it can be upsetting if, um, people think negative things and it's possible because that's what people do, but I can't control that. I have to just let it be. Um, and again, it's easier said than done. It's, it's very hard to do. It's, it's not natural to be so centered in yourself. It does take work um, because as human beings, we are wired to be in tune with our social status and reputation and other people's opinions. You know, there's, there's some we should be concerned to some degree, but we cannot become preoccupied with it because it's so ever changing and it's it's so um distracting and it, and it can be it can mean that we are constantly editing ourselves to become more palatable so the best thing to do is to kind of teeter on that spectrum to a point where you're a bit a lot more focused on yourself focus on you know what actually works for you so you might be in a sea of a thousand people their the, the opinions of you are a bit wishy-washy but you found two good people that you like so you know how are you going to improve your relationship with those people and focusing on the things that you actually do like and that you want to progress with and putting your energy into that and less of the energy out to out to the bs wow thank you for that 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 was wonderful i love that being centered in yourself yeah that's that's so important and i feel like for so many of us especially when we're younger like we we still don't know who we are and like we haven't yeah. really gotten a grasp on that and i feel like that's why you know those early school days are a struggle or the first you know 100%. work environments yeah we enter and um there's a lot of talk always online about like code switching and imposter syndrome and and how we have to kind of like fake it until we we make it essentially and believing that yeah. you know we're meant to be where we are and like our worth is inherent and our value is inherent and, you know, sort of silencing the opinions of those around us. And, it, and it's tricky because, um, you know, I, I feel like we're socialized to believe that like we want others to like us. We want others yeah. to, you know, see something good in us, but at the same time, it's like, and I, and I've struggled with this too, caring more about the opinions of others you know, in regards to me than I cared about my own. Um, and you have to realize like, like everyone's opinion cannot matter. Like, yeah, they can't, like you'll go crazy. <laughs> and keep in mind, you know, everyone's opinions are so changeable. You know, if I say to my mom that, um, you know, Shami is doing fraud, she won't believe it. But if I say to my neighbor, they might believe it. And if I say it to an ex-partner, they might believe it. And if I say it to a current partner, they won't believe it. So depending on who the person is and the mood that they're in, they might just be having a bad day and more susceptible to bad news. They're, they're going to take in information about you because of what's going on with them, um, not necessarily because of who I am. Um, so they're, they're, they are who they are. You know, a racist person is going to be just more prone off the bat to believe that I'm aggressive because of who they are, not because of anything I've done. So it's it's again you know it's natural to want to be liked it's natural to care about social standing but it's it's very very key that we understand how changeable it is even our opinion of ourselves changes from day to day one day I can wake up and be like wow I'm so ugly and the next day I think I'm a bad bee um and that's because of the mood that I'm in it's not really because of it I haven't done anything to change yes. my aesthetic. oh god it is it's so just <laughs> yeah so if if my own opinion of myself isn't even fixed how 
crazy is it to be so concerned about other people's opinions of me that see me on a particular day and they haven't seen me for the rest of my days and um they've when they saw me on that day they were in a particular mood and there's so many variables that even if I focus on one person's opinions of me I can I can drive myself mad let alone everyone's opinion do you get what I mean yeah yeah that's so wonderful like it's like, again, like striking that balance of being like, I, I know who I am. I'm centered and grounded in myself, but I'm open to growing and, and having folks around me who want to help me, you know, achieve whatever level of self that I want to achieve. But at the same time, like not needing it. Like it's, yeah. it's a lot, right? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's a lot. Cause everything is, I, I kind of see it like we're on a seesaw. So it does matter what people think about you. You know, that's the reason why we don't walk on the street naked. We don't want to be the town um, naked person. You know, yeah. we, we want to, we want to, we don't want people to avoid us when we, when we go somewhere. We, we want to have a good reputation and it's natural. So having concern about what other people think about you is natural and normal. But what we don't want to do is become preoccupied um, where, where that is the main focus of our attention. So again you know you're on that seesaw having some level of of um awareness and understanding of reputation and social standing but not so much that is all you care about and you're constantly editing yourself because you want to control the narrative because that's what it, it kind of boils down to control and we can't control other people's thoughts we can only just be ourselves and when we try and edit ourselves because we're concerned about what other people think it we're kind of trying to control them but you know that's a that's a failing battle. Ooh, yes. Wow. That is, and that's a big one. I I yeah. myself have have done that for many years and like and ne- never realized that's what I was doing subconsciously. It was trying to have people see me a certain way so I would do things in order to present, you know, myself a certain way in order to have this sort of um outlook of me. And it and it was never an outlook I saw within myself. I was like, so I need to I need to you know, perform it and do all these things. And it's exhausting. Yeah. It's so yeah. exhausting. It, it, it is. Yeah. And, it, and I, and I found like, it stopped me from having more sort of authentic reactions, but I'm also someone like, I can't keep up that sort of charade. I was going to say yeah. charade, like, why would I pronounce it like that? <laughs> do not pronounce it like that here. Um, <laughs> a charade of <laughs> like, I, I cannot, yeah, keep things up like that for very long. Cause like, once I start engaging with people, then I'm just naturally going to be myself. Cause like, I'm like, like you said, like I'm, I consider myself a, an extroverted introvert. So I'm like, oh yeah. And what do you think about this? And ah, like, and, uh, and as much yeah. as I'm like, oh no, like, I didn't want to be that loud version of me. It just ends up naturally happening. So then it's like all that work you were doing to like control things and make someone's user, like it's all for not because girl, yeah. it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, those who you said who want to see the best and you're going to see it regardless, you know, and those who already have whatever biases they're not. And like, that has to be okay. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it takes time. It's just kind of like that. it's kind of like just being. It is what it is, and and I can accept that because when sometimes we're more uncomfortable, like you said, you know, we, we want to control what people think, and we want to be in a certain way so that they think this. And but we can't. You know, they have their biases that we don't even know about. They have their experiences that inform what they think about you before you even opened your mouth. Um, 
and that's that's just how it is and we just have to it just has to be yeah yeah and um this reminded me too of something of like um i i'm i'm laughing at myself because i always do things in like extremes i'm always trying to now i'm I'm trying to find the middle ground and like all things but i always go like too far either <laughs> right? but there was a there was a point in time where um where i started doing um i don't know what like all this reading about like self-help and and um the power of your thoughts and things of that nature and you know um what was i forgot the the book by miguel ruiz was like the four like truths like if it like don't speak and like ask yourself, is it kind? Like, is it truthful? Is it necessary? Like all these things. And so I, I kept like sort of filtering my thoughts and my conversations through like those things. And, and I would have friends who would be like, oh, like, what do you think about this? And I'd be like, you know, my opinion really isn't important. And what do you think? Do you like the way you look in that dress? <laughs> you know? And I would just like, and, and they were, I, I could sense their frustration and just being like, can you just give me an answer, you know? And I'd be like, no, I don't want you to place my opinion of, you know, what above oh, your huh? own. <laughs> like, I was so annoying. Like, I know my friends had to be like, girl, please. And I, <laughs> but I thought like, you know, that's the way you need to be. Like, you need to like get to the point where you don't have opinions where, and I'm like, I'm like, opinions are okay. Judgments are maybe what we want to avoid, especially like any sort of harsh initial judgments. I'm like, but having an opinion is fine. I'm like, it's yep. normal. <laughs> you can, you can like, like, or not like things like that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad. <laughs> oh, bless. I know girl, I'm a mess. <laughs> but, um, so my last question for, for this segment is, and we've kind of discussed this already. So this might be a sort of obvious um, answer to this, but do you think there's a healthy way to reframe toxicity? Um, yeah, I guess. Um, Cause I guess like, like we said earlier, toxic at the moment is, is a label. Um, so I guess we can just say, or it, let's say if we're addressing it in someone else, instead of saying, Hey, you know, you're, you're being really toxic you can say, Hey, um, I think, you know, that interaction that we had, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I think perhaps next time if you approach it like this, it might be a bit more conducive. So instead of instead of saying you're wrong, you're saying this is a better way to do things. So you're offering a solution, you're being kind, and you're you're kind of centering centering oh gosh, centering it around yourself as opposed to you did this wrong, this is bad, you're this, you're saying it rubbed me the wrong way. Could you approach it in a way that's this that so that we can have a more conducive conversation? So it's a lot more collaborative, um, and you, you're showing that your your heart is in a space where you want things to be better between the two of you, as opposed to your heart being in a place where you want to accuse someone because you're more likely to get defence from the accusation than from the collaborative work. Um, some people are going to be defensive either way. But at least you know on your part you've addressed it in in the in the most helpful way possible, and how they're going to respond is how they're going to respond. Um, but yeah, I think addressing it in a way where it's not about it's not about demonizing the person; it's just about trying to be in a better space between the two of you and working on something together um, and looking for a solution or su- or suggesting a solution. Um, just shows the person that you're on their side and you're not you're not 
you're not it's not a war place there's no need for them to be um defensive yeah wow okay so i may have like a bit of a personal question <laughs> to tag on to <laughs> this so like how do you determine whether or not it's worth having these conversations do you think it's dependent on the nature of the relationship and like if you want it to continue or not or like because I always struggle with thinking like will this help anything in the long run or or is it worth it if I end up hurting someone's feelings even though that's not my intentions and so sometimes I go better to be silent um, I think this is a it's a really good question. Um, and it depends on again, you know, what's important to you. But I guess good questions to ask yourself is what are the implications of me not bringing this up and this person not being aware that this is how this harms me? You know, if they do this again, am I going to be able to keep up this, to just keep it up um, and, you know, not be affected and, and not be harmed by it? If If it's not something that harms you that deeply and you're able to just continue with it, then you know it's up to you if that's what you want to take on if you know that if it does happen again you are going to be affected again it might be worth bringing it up um so I think for me primarily that's what I think you know if this person doesn't know this what are the implications um and that's one of the main things I ask myself but you can also decide you know what else is important for you because you said you know you're worried about harming harming the person's feelings so you know if you do harm the person's feelings uh, will they be able to recover? Is that going to damage the relationship? And if receiving criticism from you, genuine, about how they've harmed you, hurts their feelings to the point where your relationship is harmed, what does that say about the relationship in the first place? Where, you know, this person cannot be open to hearing how they've harmed you. What does that say about their investment in the relationship? Um, you know, th- those things are because we, it's very easy to talk yourself out of it because the, the easiest option is to not say anything. So if we're talking ourselves out of it, we will always find a reason because it's easier to do the easier thing. You know, it's easier yeah. to not talk about it. Why rock the boat? Why, yeah, why mess up what is currently smooth sailing? It's it, the hard thing to do is to, to um, point something out. But even though it's harder, it's, it's an investment. If you want, especially if you're looking for longevity, if it's a one-off, you met someone and they're a stranger at the park, I wouldn't, you know, it's not worth investing because <laughs> you're not going to see them again. Yeah. If yeah. it's someone that you live with, if it's someone that, you know, you want a long-term relationship with, it's it's worth it because either way, you know, if you do it and their feelings are hurt beyond repair, you know, this kind of person isn't here for longevity because this is not going to be the first criticism or the last, um, or this might be the first, but not the last form of criticism. Um and if you do overcome it and they take it in, then you know that, you know, this person has the stones um, for longevity. So it's 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 good to do it. It's helpful to do it. Obviously, on your side, do it in the best way you can. Yeah. Um, so where you're not going for the jugular and saying, yeah, you know, you're acting just like your dad or anything crazy <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm not one of those people. I know. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I'm not one of those people. I, I feel like people find it so funny when I get on this podcast or I say like, I've, I've never like yelled at anybody. I've never, you know, when I say I abhor confrontation, I'm not saying that like in a very like, oh, you know, the way people don't like it. No, I really don't like it. I don't do it. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Um, but yeah, it's just important to realize, okay, so I'm going to go for this because yeah. it's worth investing and it's worth this person knowing because I matter as much as this person matters. It matters that in this two person relationship, I'm one of those people, you know, I'm not half of those people. I'm not a quarter. I'm, I'm one of those two people. So I matter. It matters that my feelings were hurt. It matters that this person knows and it matters that we can move forward from this. Yeah. Um, and if you can, fantastic. If you can't, then that shows the nature of the relationship. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. That that was really amazing. I'm going to listen back to this and actually take down more notes because I was like, oh, that's a great way to approach things. <laughs> I'm someone I'm like, I need to know how to do something first and then I'll I'll like apply it. But I'm always like, how would you say I should approach? <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but thank you for that. I think, I think what you said struck me as like, it's kind of like win-win, right? Like even if the thing that you don't want to happen happens and, and the relationship kind of falls apart after that, then at least, you know, and then going forward, there's, there's a level of freedom and knowing like, okay, I can have these sort of difficult conversations, but, and I can be okay, even if I don't, get the desired outcome. And I think, yeah, like that's kind of the problem. Like you, you said like several times, like in trying to control things, trying to predict the way things are going to go and happen. And I feel like I've, I've done that a lot where I've tried to like anticipate people's reactions and what they're going to say. And so I'm like, okay, well, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen what's going to happen and it's not worth it. And it's just like, you know, like as much as you know, someone, (laughs) you still don't know someone. So like, allow them to kind of just show you who they are yeah again and again and again like it's okay yeah yeah 100 percent. especially if you're in it for the long haul because what whatever changing um and you know you do need to have these conversations again and again and again and that's what I guess that's what relationships are the same conversations over and over and over and over and over again so you might as well get stuck into it yeah <laughs> Man, that's so true. Yeah, I phrasing it that way. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes <laughs> that makes sense. I, I always feel like it's this anticipatory thing of like it's gonna be a huge blowout and things will never be like I'm so dramatic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably too much like reality TV and like too much like <laughs> fictional stories, but I think everything is meant to have this big dramatic sort of like reaction. And I'm like, more often than not, like that is not the case. I'd probably be like underwhelmed if I were to actually have these conversations. I'd be like, oh, that's it. Oh, you just, oh, (laughs) that's nice. Thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) But yeah. All right, guys, we are going to um, head to our first and only break and we'll be right back with the stoop. All right. Welcome back. And it is now time for our last and final segment known as the stoop. This is where we wrap up what we've discussed and learn from our talk today and share any last words of advice. So, um, Shomisita, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you are a therapist um, and that you are the founder of Lafia Health. And I was wondering, like, if you could tell us a little bit about the work that you do in that space. Um, okay, so it's varied a lot over the years. So initially it started off as a blog and this was before I was a therapist, but I, I started having an interest in mental health. Um, so I started blogging about mental health problems um, and getting other people to talk about their problems and physical health as well that are more predominant in Black um, communities, such as diabetes, um, postnatal depression, stuff like that. Um, so it started off there 
in the time when blogging was quite big. It's kind of, uh, it's, it's still beautiful, but I think it's kind of a dying art now. People have moved to, towards like um, podcasts and videos and stuff. But at the time, it was the right time for blogs. So it, it, it did quite well then, relatively. Um, and then I started throwing events um, for, there was like loads of games and stuff like that. Um, but they were all health-based games. It was kind of nerdy, but there were good turnouts um, and it w- it went quite well. And I guess because in London, there, especially at the time, there was a lack of Black events. So people were just excited to be around other Black young people. And then I hooked them in and I was like, now we're going to do some health education. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that worked out pretty well. Um, and then the pandemic forced me to become very creative, um, and it helped me cut costs as well because I didn't have to pay for venues. Um, so um, I started doing Zoom group sessions with psychoeducation um, and that took off quite well. Um, then I, during the pandemic, I also blew up on social media as well. Um, and then that really, it, it became a thing where I wasn't even in the mood, but people were like demanding, like, when are you doing the next class? We, you know, we have to pay you for something. You have to do private sessions. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's, what's going on? Um, but then I was like, hey, do you know, I think I do need to take things to the next career. Like, you know, the demand is there and it'll, ha- it'll give me more freedom to work in a way that I want to work as opposed to how I'm currently working and who the kind of patients I currently have. Um, so then I started looking into that and I started doing group therapy. Um, I still stayed away from private one-to-one therapy, but the group therapy did quite well. Um, and I was so inspired as well because I guess in my current job, um, or or my job at the time, I was working in an area of the UK called Kent, very white bread area, middle-aged white people um and you know I was working well with them nothing no disrespect to them or anything like that but I could tell they weren't expecting me um and (laughs) (laughs) and there was a level of disconnect um and you know working with people that actually are signing up for me um and wanted me was very validating um and that they were giving such good feedback as well it was it was very, very validating to me as a therapist because before I thought I was just pretty just bog standard. Um, but then other people, like when I was working with my people, they were like, oh my gosh, Shami's amazing, you know, this and that. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I can actually do this. And then it, it gave me the confidence boost to start doing one-to-one sessions. Um, and that's taken off pretty well um, to the point where I'm now working part-time with my current job. Um, and hopefully at some point I'll move on to full-time um as in full-time private work um yeah so I know that's a really long explanation but in essence I'm a psychotherapist um Lafayette Health covers um mental and physical well-being in black communities awesome that is amazing yeah I was I was on your site and I like love like looking at the pictures of of like when you were able to do like the in-person sort of meetups and stuff like that. And it looked like oh, so fun. Like, <laughs> all I want is to like move to the UK and be like <laughs> part of the Black diaspora there. Like, it just seems so lit. Like, <laughs> um, even though I feel like I'm, I don't know, quite a bit older than everyone I engage with um, online from that space, but it's still like, uh, yeah, it, I love the, the community. We would love to have you, you know, come down and hit us up. We would love to have you. Uh, 
Girl, as soon as I feel safe enough to travel, I am going out there. Like I've been, um, are you like London based now or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. London is like my city. That is my second home. I've been there like <laughs> maybe like three or four times and I love it every single time. Oh. Yeah. I think probably cause I'm from New York and it has a very similar <laughs> New York vibe, but just in a way that like feels yeah. more harming to me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's busy and it's full of people and there's always things happening. And I'm like, oh, it feels like home. I'm like, but I am way more charmed by like the accents and just everyone else around me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I think that's wonderful. Like it, if there feels like there is, there is definitely a need for spaces, especially that cater to mental health and physical health for Black people because there aren't many. I don't, I'm, don't really know of I'm sure there are there has to be especially online like here in the states but yeah it's it's not many and it it should be because yeah we deserve it <laughs> but definitely yeah yeah but as I'm so grateful I I came across the tap therapist on on Twitter and I'm so excited to like keep following you and seeing all, all the work you're doing and, and the things that you post. And I'm going to have like your IG and Twitter handles, um, for when I post this episode and want everyone to follow you. Like I was looking, um, earlier, I was actually going through your, uh, thread on like the, um, is it the Myers-Briggs, like the personality yeah. types? Like I love that thread. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> It's a bit of an obsession for me. Yeah. <laughs> like I, now I, I can't watch a TV show without seeing or trying to work out what personality types each person is. And yeah, yeah it's a terrible obsession. Yeah. I, oh God, guys, I love personality, like quizzes. I love things of that nature. Like I, I'm like, okay, I'm mildly narcissistic, but like, it's fine. Cause like I, <laughs> I am an ENFP and I'm like, it's fine. Like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> So I'm like exploring, learning, like it's a part of it. I'm like, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I I I love that thread and I like bookmarked it. <laughs> I just go back to it. Like, I'm like, oh, this is so fun. But um, but yeah, I think that's wonderful. And yeah, I'm gonna have the the link to the cipher for any of the listeners in the UK who want to check out it or be a part of your group therapy sessions. Is that open to like anyone outside of the UK? I know there's like a time difference. I've seen a few, I've seen them and I'm like, oh, I can't because of the time, but one day I am going to join. (laughs) Yeah. um, At the moment, I do have a few American one-to-one clients and in a group session, I've had one American, uh, one American client. So um, it is open to everyone, but I do know that that the time difference can be um, a barrier because it might, like it could be in the middle of a work day or something. Um, So apologies um but yeah (laughs) I apologize you have to cater to your actual client base (laughs) but it's awesome that that resource is out there and that it is open sort of like internationally so anyone who is listening and and follows and um joins do you have a uh like a mailing list yes I do um on my website if you go on and subscribe then people that are subscribed are always the first ones to know about all the the biz so yeah all right. Awesome. And I, I mean, God, I'm so excited for you. I, I really hope that you're able to sort of switch full time to, you know, private client work and just being your own boss. And like, ugh, it would be so, so amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell like, you're amazing just from this like conversation alone. I I'm like, 
okay, she therapized me a little bit and like in a way that I needed. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Jared, don't be trying to get no free therapy. <laughs> like talking to myself in the back of my head, like stop asking questions. <laughs> yeah. My last question is, do you have like maybe one piece of advice that you could offer to anyone um, listening about sort of unlearning maybe toxic patterns and behaviors. I don't know if we're ever ever able to unlearn them or maybe just be more mindful of them. Um, I think the key thing is to be gracious and kind to yourself along the way. Um, So sometimes we we might even notice something in ourselves, but because we're so used to it, we continue exhibiting it and we start beating ourselves up like, oh, I'm not going to change and just realize it's a process. Um, Just like, I like to use the analogy of going to the gym. You know, when you first go, you're going to, I struggle with this, but you're going to start breathing heavily and you're going to collapse and, you know, it's going to feel like hell and you're, you're just not going to want to go. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. You're building new um, like pathways in your mind for new behaviors that you're, are so different to you. Just like a child, you know, they, they learn, they learn to walk, but they fall down a million times and they still continue trying to walk. And eventually their walking becomes sturdier, their bones become stronger um, and their muscles are used to it. So you're doing that with yourself, um, but in a behavioral sense, it's not easy. Just keep on at it. You know, you're, you're going to fail. Failure is natural. Um, it's not the end. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a statement about you. It's just being human. Um, but yeah, keep on keeping on and it does get easier. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, Keep being human, guys. Just everyone. (laughs) Keep being human. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us here at the Brownstone. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you for giving up your time and your energy. I'm so happy that I got to meet you. (laughs) And I like so thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Again, I'm really flattered. Um, yeah, it's been really fun. And yes, everyone, I'm sliding into DMs all across the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that will be the end of today's show. And thank you to Shomisita again for joining us here. And thank you all for listening to The Brownstone with Jara Monique. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your pods. You can also follow the show on all social media platforms. The at will be in the description box. And please stay tuned for our next week's episode. Bye. Bye.